Last week we talked about your identity and that you're made and created in the image of God. And this week, this is what I want you to know. That what you just put is the name that you were given or the name that you go by. Some of y'all might have done something funny like D-Rock or some kind of cool nickname, right? Because I saw some of those out there. But it's whatever nickname that you want. But in reality, we all struggle with this deeply because the culture is changing every single day. The culture is changing every single day. And it's like, it's like a time in our country when we're at a, at, a, at a point that's breaking and we've got to decide where we are. So I want you to see this. What do we do? Right? What do we do when the culture changes? Because, listen, <clears throat> not all the culture changes are bad. Right? There's a lot of really good changes that have taken place. And then there's some changes that you're asked to believe and asked to do that are not good. And I, I, feel like, I feel like there's a line that's been drawn in the sand. And what you've been asked to do is change your name. What you've been asked to do is believe that you're not what you can be and what you have become in Christ Jesus. What you've been asked to believe is everything that you're not. And, and I feel like we've missed the whole point, right? I feel like we've missed the whole point of who we are in Christ. I want you to see this. If we would be honest this morning, like if you would, if you would just take that name tag off and you had another one, and you'd be like, bro, I'm just going to put what I really believe about myself. Here's what I think we would actually write down. Hello, my name is Regret. The song goes, I'm pretty sure we have met every single day of my life. It's a whisper inside. Isn't that crazy? It's not the loud voices that seem to ring in my ears because we fight against the loud voices, don't we? Are y'all with me? Is anybody out there today? We fight against those, but it's the whispers inside. Can I tell y'all just this week, this has been my testimony this week. Because I've said something or done something that I've pointed out in other people. And then I look and go, Ted Gummit, this is who I am. Because the world's trying to change your name. Or what about this one? If y'all grew up in my generation, right? We all grew up going, loser, like we'd put it on the forehead. And that was funny when we were in school. Some of y'all never thought it was funny because it hurt your feelings. I'm sorry, because that was probably me. You're taking part of, the, part of the blame for that. Come on. But like, but what about today, man? Like some of y'all are teenagers and some of y'all are adults and some of y'all are even older than I am. I feel like this is how we feel because we've let the world change our name to become this. And do you know why I think this is what we identify ourselves as? Because there's a whisper somewhere down the line that has told us that if we don't accomplish certain things by a certain time, then we're losers. Then this is what we are. Because people your age have already accomplished things that you should have done. And I must not ever, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm just a, what is it? Just a loser. <clears throat> this is one that I... I struggle with this one. I don't know that I've ever felt like this, but man, I've, have I ever talked to some people that feel like this. Hello, my name is Mistake. Because maybe somebody told you one time you're just a mistake. Maybe somebody, somebody said you're just a waste of reproduction and you should never have been around. I know in my mouth has come out this to people before and I look back and go, holy cow, I was part of them believing that the world wants to change their name. Making a mistake does not make you a mistake. 
And I believe a lot of us look at ourselves and if we would, if we would put an honest answer in a blank, we would say, hello, my name is. Mistake. This is the last one. I saved it on purpose. And next week, if you'll come back, I'll explain how to break these using God's word. But can I tell you all the one thing that I hold against the 12-step program? Because I think it's fantastic. But the fact that 20 years after so-and-so was an alcoholic, they still have to stand up and say, hello, my name is Mark, and I am. We identify ourselves with what we used to be. And I believe that that's the work of the enemy. I believe that's the work of everything but the Lord Jesus. And if we continue to identify ourselves, listen to me carefully, if you continue to identify yourselves with these kind of things, you will continue to believe you are what you identify yourself to be. And if we would be honest in this room, those things and many more would be the tag that we would wear. And I am convinced, guys, that the enemy is much smarter than we give him credit for. The battle that we're facing, and I'm going to show you the verse in just a couple of seconds, but the battle that we're facing is not a battle of just you versus me and my home, or you versus me as my friend, or you versus me as just a church person that comes to It's not this battle. And we get so caught up, listen to me, we get so caught up when we're looking at the war that we are supposed to wage with it must be one-on-one -on -one and it must be head-to-head -head combat. And it is not head-to-head -head combat. It is an all-out assault on you to get your identity away from what it is supposed to be in Christ and on anything and everything else because you're a loser and you're a mistake and you're an addict and you're any number of other things that you call yourself because you heard the enemy say it one time or four or five times and you repeat it to yourself thousands of times, whispering it, believing it. Have y'all ever read... Show me your hands if you have. You can call out if you want to. Have y'all ever read The Art of War or seen part of it, Art of War? Anybody? Anybody? Like three of you. That's awesome. All right. So here's, a, here's an excerpt. And I think if you can understand what this says right here, you can understand the way that the enemy works against us. I don't know why, but we, we think of Satan and we think of him as the dude some of y'all better know what I'm talking about, right? We think of the dude that sits on our shoulder on the other side of the angel, right? And he's got the red pitchfork, and he's just stupid. He doesn't have a plan, a battle plan in place. He's just a moron that stands there. And he's going to put what is going against me, like, right there. And so I can just go, no, that's bad, right? And the truth is, he's whispering in my ear constantly all of these things, just to get me off course just a little bit so that I will believe that I'm not what I am in Christ. And so that I will believe I am what he says that I am. Here's what it says. The decision to position an army must be based both on objective conditions. Right? And this makes sense. Objective conditions. We look out and we see our conditions. If it's raining, right? Some of us, I really don't care if it's raining, but some of us get an umbrella, right, or a coat. Because we can observe and say, there, there's rain coming. I'm, I'm, I can fight against that. And so it's both on objective conditions. But then this is the, and physical, in the physical environment and subjective beliefs. Like that's the shift. That has to take subjective beliefs of others, competitive factors in that environment. Till we move to the next slide in, in the rest of this part. I feel like this is what it looks like. Y'all seen like the movies because we, I'm pretty sure, none of us were around, at least in this service, none of us were around during the Revolutionary War. And so when, when you look at, that was a joke and none of y'all got it, but you'll get it later. 
When you look at like how they lined up and they played like the drums and like the music and then they shot each other. I've always just wanted to go hug them right before they died. Y'all know what I mean? Like you've got a musket and you're looking at dude and he's got the weird hat and you've got the weird hat and y'all are about to shoot each other from like 20 feet away. Go to the woods. <laughs> They're going to shoot you. That's not good. And so whenever someone, and they're playing the music and they're about to shoot you, we're like, no, you can't shoot me, right? You can't see me. Like, we don't let that happen. We're not going, we're going to fight against that because duh, right? That's a duh moment. But that's not what we're fighting against. He's much smarter than we give him credit for. And here's why. This is the writer of this, but I really think you could fill in the blank with the enemy. He thought that strategy was not planning in the sense of working through an, estab an established list. We've got to have our guns. We've got to have this. We've got to have this. But rather that it requires quick and appropriate responses to the changing conditions. And I'm telling you, we should circle this and star this and highlight this. This is not the Bible, but it is how we should be waging war every day in our lives. For your marriages, for your homes, for your children, for your parents, for everyone that you live, work, and play with, we should be waging war for them on their behalf and then for ourselves. But what we do is we look at the physical environment. We say, all right, they got their muskets. I got my muskets. We're good. And we don't look at the always constantly changing environments. When the culture change, what, changes, what do we do? Well, we still got our muskets and we got our revolutionary hats and we're good. And we're getting obliterated because the Sioux and the Seminole and all the other tribes, they're smart. They're in the woods and they're attacking. We're like, we've got better weapons than them. We've got the Lord Jesus. We've got the guns. How are they defeating us? Because we've taken our eye off the enemy. We've taken our eye off the Lord Jesus, more importantly, and what is happening in the attacks and we said, I'm good. I can see what's in front of me. That was never the issue. That was never the plan. And the world's trying to change our names. And we've never even looked out at the conditions. And we've never even looked out at how the culture's changing. And we've said, we're good. Planning works in a controlled environment. So listen, in the church, y'all are probably okay right now. But when we walk out there and all hell's breaking loose all around you, it no longer works as easily, does it? But in a changing environment, comp competing plans collide head on, creating unexpected situations. And I feel like that little excerpt from The Art of War is fascinating because it teaches you how to go to battle. And as followers of Jesus Christ, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so honored that you're here and we're going to get to you in just a minute. But for all of us that are followers of Jesus, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like the enemy's probably just sitting back at us laughing going, I'm so thankful that there's a large group of people that identify themselves as followers of Jesus and they don't care anything about going to war because they're comfortable in their physical environment. What they can see and what they perceive is it's all good. Can I just tell y'all it's not all good. All hell is breaking loose all around us and we continue to fight the battle the way that we have and we're losing. And I think this is what bothers me so bad. There's no reason for us to lose because check this out. He's already won. He took the keys of death and hell. He's already won. And we are on a losing team. That there's no reason possible to lose when they have already won. The scoreboard is already finished and yet we are being defeated. Why? Because we've taken our eye off of Jesus and we put it on everything else but. And until we put it back where it belongs, he just wants you to be distracted this much. If you read the one-year Bible, we're in Job right now. 
And I find it so fascinating that the Bible in Job chapter 1 calls Satan the accuser several times. The accuser, the accuser, the accuser. And then I go back to hello my name is and I just think the accuser is attacking me and I'm just sitting back saying, yep, you're right. This is who I am. I think the reason we've taken our eye off the ball is because of what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says. It says our battle is not against each other as we constantly believe that it is. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers and against authorities and the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And yet we've been distracted, and he's turned us just this much. And guys, when I was a coach, I coached for nine years, and I loved it. And there's so much fun in strategizing because we watch film of other teams, and we do all these certain things. And the one thing that we tried to get is this much of an advantage that we could slide in. And really what we wanted them to, to do is not till it's over be able to find the advantage that we found. And we'd have coaches that were our buddies, and in the offseason we'd play golf and stuff, and we wouldn't tell them, of course, during the year because we were trying to win. Come on, somebody. It's about winning, right, for all, everybody that likes getting a trophy for showing up. I'm not on that team, so y'all might not like me, but it's about winning. And so we would do everything we could with a strategy because our, our goal was to win. And yet in this, in this fight that we have in an all-out war that we're in, not with human beings, but against principalities and darkness, we've just taken our eye off of Jesus altogether and said, I'm good, I got this. And as a result, there's an identity crisis in this country, an identity crisis. And so when we take our selfies, and it's fun, I love it, by the way. I love y'all getting involved, and I love it, but the truth is, if we would put the truth about hello, my name is, we don't have a clue. And it's devastating. I believe the best place, the best place to see a picture of how the world is trying to change our name and how the enemy is trying to go against us is in, found in Daniel chapter 1. I, I love this passage. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But I want you to look at something a little bit different. If you know the Bible, I want you to see this a little bit different today. If y'all know the movie 300, right? Oh, oh, y'all, like three of y'all know it. That's awesome, right? Xerxes was the king, and then his, his grandfather, so two generations before him was Darius, and then Daniel chapter 6, that was the king who was over Daniel. Now, one generation before that in Babylon, that was Persia in Babylon. So just a few years before that, before Persia took over, this is in the same region, in the same area. This is what was taking place. And so Daniel was dealing, eventually, with the grandfather of the 300 king, and then a few years before that is the scene that we're in. And you're about to see what's happening. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, who was the king in Israel, in Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Somebody say besieged it. Besieged it. We're going to pause just for a second. I need honesty right now. How many of y'all in a sentence, honest to God, have used the word besieged in your life? Show me. I was hoping it was somebody because I was going to call you out. I'm just going to be honest. Like, I'm going to besiege a nap this afternoon. <laughs> I don't even, like, he took it. Okay, I, I can make it in a little bit easier form. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. And so in the temple, 
were these, were these things that were very important and, and God gave it over. Can I tell you why this happened? It's because the people of Israel who were God's chosen people forgot who they were. They took their eye off of the king of kings and put their eye on the stuff of their stuff. They made anything and everything but God their king. By the way, that's called idol worship. And we look at idol worship and we say, morons, right? And yet if you look at the throne of your life, I wonder who would be sitting on the throne. I'll continue. And, and he brought them to the land of Shiner, to the house of his God. I just wonder who the house of our God is. Because this isn't it, by the way. Let me just tell y'all something. I love this place. I love Four Points. We prayed this morning over every chair, believing God was going to move. I love my office in there. I love everything about it. But can I tell y'all where the house of God is? I'm going to let y'all in on a secret. This is right here. This is the house of God. I wonder, I wonder, this is free, not part of the message. I wonder who's sitting on the house of God in your hearts right now. Because that's where it matters. And I wonder what we've placed in the place of the king of kings in our hearts because that's all he's trying to do when he distracts you and changes the environment around you is just make you believe that you're what you're not and distract you. And place vessels in the treasury of his God. And then the king commanded Ashpenaz. Y'all say Ashpenaz. Man, I wish that my mama had named me Pastor Ashpenaz, right? <laughs> You gotta feel bad for this dude. He's already over the eunuchs, which if you don't know what a eunuch is, it did not go well for the dudes. Are y'all with me? Y'all seen the horses that lose their stuff and they tame them? This was the dudes. They lost their stuff. They're half the man they used to be. All right. But y'all to get that later. Okay. To bring some of the people of Israel, Paul Ashvin asked, some of the people of Israel, both the royal family and the nobility. So he told this dude, I want you to bring these people. Watch what happens. You just without blemish. You look around. I want you to find young men without blemish, good in appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And so he knew that they were educated. He knew that they had great understanding. He knew that they could be taught, and he wanted to infiltrate them with what they were and change their names and change their identity and change who they were to the point that he literally would change their identity. By the way, why do y'all think that they, that they would make them eunuchs or castrate them? Why do y'all think that happened? Anybody? Why would that happen? So they couldn't reproduce because he didn't want another generation of Jewish people. He wanted a generation of his people. And if he believed that he could truly change their names, he would have left them alone because they are good-looking young men. And he, he would have loved to have a reproduction quality in them. And I don't mean this funny, and I don't mean this sexually, but that is literally what Satan wants for you. It's to cause you to be impotent in the kingdom of God, where you won't reproduce yourself, where other people see you and say, I want to be like you, and where you show yourself in what God has in your life, where people begin to look at your marriage and say, I don't know what it is about their marriage, but I want my home to be like their home. If all Satan does in your life is just make you impotent, but you're still who you are, if he doesn't change your name, but he makes you impotent, then that's good enough. That's all he wants is to distract you. And so that was the goal of the king, by the way. 
is, you know what, we don't want these guys because they're pretty powerful and they're smart. And we don't want them to reproduce and have another generation that takes back over what their land was. We want their land and he wants your land. And he's taken your land and he's made the church impotent and not going to get the land. And that is the battle that we're facing. It's not flesh and blood. Verse 5 says the king assigned them to a daily portion of his food, the, the food that the king ate and his wine, the wine that the king drank and they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. So the plan was, I want to completely have an overhaul of who you are, what you are, what you drink, what you wear. And at the end of that time, I'm going to completely change who you are. I'm going to change your identity outside. I'm going to plump you up because you're going to eat the good stuff of the king, right? I'm going to change your physical makeup. I'm going to change everything about you, make you impotent so you're not what you were. And that is my goal is to make you everything different than what you are in the Lord. Verse 6 says that among these guys were Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. Y'all talk to me. Who are these three? Y'all talk out loud. Who are these three? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Huh. So that's interesting that that's not their name. And here's what the king did. And here's what the leaders did. They, the chief of the eunuchs gave them, what's it say? He changed their name. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. And Hananiah, he called Shadrach. And Meshach, he called Meshach. And that's why we call Abednego. And here's what's crazy. Most of us have never even heard or we can't remember Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah because the world changed their name. Now, when y'all hear this, if my name was changed from Mark to Jason, no one would care, right? It's not that big of a deal. And then we see athletes and they change their name from Chad Johnson to Ocho Cinco, right? Or <laughs> Meta World Peace and all these cats. Like, and it's really not that big of a deal, right? It's, it's just a name. Back in the day, back here, 400 and something years before Jesus, this was a huge deal. Here's why. You were known by your name. Now, now I know you by name, but, but y'all have heard this before. I can, I, I can see their face, but, but I can't remember their name. That, that did not happen back then because it was your complete identity. What the name meant had so much meaning behind it, and you carried that with you the rest of your life. It had so much meaning. Listen, that is not the case for the name Mark. But it is the case for the one that I carry with me. It is the case for the one that I identify myself with. And listen, just because I wear a Christian t-shirt does not mean I'm properly identifying, identifying myself with the king. People know us for our fruit. More importantly, Jesus said, this is how the world will know you're my disciple if you love one another, John 13, 35. I wonder when people look at our name, and if that's what Jesus said we should do, I wonder what people think our name is. Because I believe some of us have let the world change our name. Because there's not love on the end of our tongues. The Bible says that out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth speaks. I believe what's in here is not love so often. And the reason for that is I've just been distracted. I want you to see this. I think this is fascinating. Because here's what their names meant as Daniel and Mishael and Hananiah. And then here's how it changed. Daniel meant, and by, by the way, this is your identity. God is my judge. God is my judge. Y'all can hear Tupac. Only God can judge me, right? God is my judge. 
God alone is the one that I serve. He's my judge. There was so much power and meaning behind this. And listen to this Belshazzar. Say this out loud. What does this say? That's fascinating. It literally means lady, protect our king. It was a feminine lady. It was, he was identified at that point as not a man anymore. Because the world is trying to change our name. The world is trying to make us believe that we're not what we are in Christ. And with all the stuff in the media that's been happening now, by the way, let me just quickly hit this before I say what I'm going to say. Because I'm going to talk about Bruce, Caitlyn Jenner for a second, and I'm not being funny, and I really hope that no one will laugh. But on one hand, I'm disappointed in how we are being asked, and I mean a society, not just the church, we're being asked that we have to accept a certain thing. But I am just as disappointed as all the Christians that are identified by how we love that have just made a mockery of that human being that God loves dearly and gave his own son for to die on a cross. That is completely and totally opposite ends of the spectrum. But neither one are where God made us to be and how we're supposed to react. And in both ways, listen to me, in both ways the world is changing our name. And we fight against it, no, 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 no. I'm standing for the truth. You can stand for the truth and your name can be changed. You can stand for the truth and no one can recognize you for Jesus. They recognize you for an ideal. And the ideal of Jesus right now in this country is so far beyond the truth of what he came to do that it is not an identifiable thing. It is actually look at you. Look at what you've done. And that was never God's plan for us. God's plan for us was to stand in the truth in love. But here's what the world wants to do, guys. The world wants you to believe that this is what you are. And I believe the identity crisis is something that cannot be helped with anger, cannot be helped with hostility, and it dang sure can't be helped by pointing fingers. Have y'all ever seen this is free? Have y'all ever seen people that picket and hate? By the way, I'm not talking about civil rights because we know Dr. King changed the world by the way he picketed with peace. But have you ever seen anger and people blowing up abortion clinics and all that? Has it ever worked? Y'all tell me, has, it, has anything good ever come of that? Nope. And with zeal and excitement, we do it. Here's what I really believe. It's time that we start telling people what they can be and not what they are. It's time we start telling people what they can be and the good news that they are in Christ once they've trusted Jesus as Savior. It's time that we start looking at every human being that have blood cells and breath coming in their lungs and we say, there is hope for you because I am not the hope, but I serve the one who is all hope. I don't, I don't hope so, I hope in because I serve Jesus and he loved me enough to look at me and not call me an addict and a loser. He calls me his son. And that's why I have hope. No longer am I this. I'm back to being what God called me to be, what he put my name as. Second name was Hananiah. God has been gracious. Y'all know when good things happen in our life, we're like, man, God's been gracious. All the enemy wants to do with you is take your eye off the ball. And as soon as something bad happens, y'all ever notice this? As soon as something bad happens, we cry out to God for help, but we say, I'm afraid of God. Are y'all with me, anybody? Is anybody in here? I'm afraid of God. 
I'm afraid of God. I, I screwed up, man. I screwed up so bad. This is what my identity is. I screwed up. And I'm afraid of God. I don't know why this is the case. Can I just be real with y'all? I wish I had an answer for y'all today. I don't know why God is this loving and kind. I really, truly, I'm telling y'all the truth. I'm letting y'all really in on my life. There's not a day that goes by that I don't ask God why. <clears throat> I don't understand why God would love me, man. Like, I know some of y'all think I don't know you, so I think you're putting on a show. I promise. I don't get it, man. Like, if y'all get it, if you get why God loves you, maybe you need to come up and have a conversation with me so you can help me understand. Because I'm, I get all what I do. I think the part that I don't get the most is that he doesn't hold any of my sins against me. That he does not call me mistake, that he does not call me loser, that he does not call me addict. My God has been so gracious to me that he sent Jesus down to pay a price that I couldn't pay and live a life that I couldn't live and raise to life like I could not do so that I could have life in his name. And he wants me to know my name, but I'm distracted because I believe that I'm that God's going to be mad at me and he hates me. And if I don't do enough things, then, then I'll never be enough for God. And God is not a respecter person, nor is he a person that God does not look at it and go, yes, thank you. I saw what you did today. The only reason we serve and the only reason that we love is that out of an, an expression back to the one that loved us first and the one that served us first. That's it. And oh, listen, listen, this is how war takes place. The enemy knows that you're not going to just give up all at once. The enemy knows that you're not just going to not fight back if there's a nuclear bomb that comes in your home. So he just wants to distract you and take your eyes off this much. So you're afraid of God. Next one. This is with a shouting voice. Declaring who God is. I bet when people saw that dude, they like jump back. When y'all see the all caps right on someone's status, you're like, whoa, right? That's kind of how his name was. And everybody knew he was declaring the name of the king. This is fascinating. I'm despised by God. The enemy wants you to believe that you're despised by the one who loves you more than we can possibly with human mouth, human words, and human understanding describe and comprehend. God loves you so much. And we declare with our mouths and we declare with our hearts who he is. The enemy wants you to be distracted to the point that you feel despised by God. And the last one, my God helps. I love that song always that we sing. You know what I'm talking about? And we just throw our hands up and say, man, no matter what valley or horrible thing that I've gone through, I've got a God of angel armies who's always by my side. He's always there, man. When we go to war, there's a legion of angels waiting to help us. And one of those angels, by the way, the death angel who is in that legion, and there are more than one, there's several legions of angels, and one angel wiped out the whole firstborn son community of Egypt. That's how powerful they are. And yet we cower behind and are afraid. And here's what happens. We don't believe anymore that God helps and we become servants of idols because the world changes our name. Let me give you the definition of an idol, and next week I'm telling you, please don't miss next week. Next week I'm going to tell you how we defeat them, point by point. 
But here's what an idol is. An idol is anything that we put in the place of God in our lives. Remember, this is, this is right here where I'm filling my life, where the throne is. And in, in any case in our lives when God, when the Lord Jesus is not above all and before all and the center of it all, idol come, idolatry comes into my life. And you're like, I've never had that experience. That's awesome. You do. Whatever you think about the most, whatever your heart leans in for the most and whatever you express the most is what your idol is in your life or your God. And I just really believe that if we could look at it in a, in a strategic world war plan, we would say, holy cow, I'm a servant of idols. I've been distracted and deceived and the accuser has accused me and then the deceiver has deceived me and he's the same person. He takes on sev several characteristics. He's the author of all lies. But the excuse the devil made me do it's not good anymore. It doesn't work. Because our response should be different. Our response should be absolute. We should put our flag in the ground. So, here, so ask this question, say it out loud. So how do we respond? I'm glad you asked. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. I'll quote it how I learned it. It's not the English Standard Version, but Daniel purposed in his heart not to take the food or drink from the king. That's in the NIV. But Daniel purposed. Daniel resolved. Daniel made the decision. Daniel didn't say in a church service, I'm going to do that. That sounds awesome. He purposed in his heart that he would not take the food or drink from the king. What is the food or drink from the king? It's everything out there that's being offered to me. It's my name being changed all over everywhere. He made a resolution in his own life. And here's what I think happens. Here's what I think happens. I think we hear a message and I think we, we like get filled with the Holy Spirit and worship and we have, like have these moments that we're like, yes, I, I want to live a different life. But we don't, we don't resolve. We don't purpose. We don't decide in our heart no matter what happens. I'm a child of the king. We remind ourselves as soon as we walk out the door in a non-controlled environment, in an uncontrollable world that we live in, since I can't be in control of my life anymore, I do not resolve outside of the walls of this place. And as a result, the world is constantly changing my name. Well, here's our, here's our response. We place our flag in the ground and we say, as for me and my house, I will serve and we will serve the Lord and no longer am I up for sale. I will find the woods. I will find the high spot. I will find the strategic places and we will go to war. We will go to war. Now listen to this. Ephesians 6, 12. said, our battle's not against flesh and blood, but principalities and darkness. I find this so fascinating and it ties in so well with here. In the army, back in those days, you were identified by your helmet. And in, and in Ephesians 6, the helmet is the helmet of salvation. It's the full armor of God. The helmet is the helmet of salvation. Now listen. If the commander or the head or some of the higher ranking officials lost their helmet, the army would be wandering around, right? Because they wouldn't find the color that identified them. Y'all have seen the Roman army on some movies and stuff. and that, You were identified in an army by the hat that you wore. Which is very similar, by the way, to the name that you carry on your chest right now. And I believe some of us, I'm going to tell you all right now, this is good. And I hope, you, I hope you lock in with me. 
There's a reason that Paul put, our battle's not against flesh and blood. Put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation. The identifiable part of your life is salvation in Jesus Christ. And every day that I get up, I should put on that helmet of salvation. I don't have to do anything for that to be the case. But I'm telling you right now, all I have to do is be distracted this much and not say this is what I am. So I want y'all to get this. I want y'all to get this. Pastor, you don't understand. This is me. This is me. This is who I am. It's not enough to check a box on a card and say I'm not going to do these things anymore. Listen right here. It's not enough. You have to purpose in your heart that I will not take the food or drink from King because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Some of y'all have a money spending issue like it's going out of style. I'm talking about you don't make but this much money, but you live like you make this much money. Are y'all with me right now, right? You've got credit card debt that's up to here, and if you get any more credit card debt, it's going away. Why? Because the food and drink of the king is very, very appealing. The Bible says sin is acceptable, or excuse me, sin is pleasurable for a season, that it looks good. I'm telling y'all right now, if we would have walked in with Daniel, and we would have seen the drink and the food of the king, we would have said, bro, I'm going to eat that. That looks good. I'm going to drink that. That looks good. The enemy's not dumb, man. And the food and drink is really good looking stuff. And whatever you battle with, look this way, whatever you battle with, it's not all of a sudden going to be gross looking. Are you with me? Some of you guys that are addicted to pornography, it's not all of a sudden going to be gross looking to you. But you have to purpose in your heart to say, you know what, that looks good to my eyes. But I've purposed in my heart with the Lord Jesus' help to fall under his authority because I'm looking to his helmet. And I'm not the commander in chief of this army. He is. And I'm going to wear my helmet of salvation, but it's him that's the commander of my life, not me anymore. And I will purpose to never take the food or drink from the king again. I'm going to break the idols in my life by doing this. And this is what I believe happens. What has been my identity for my entire life because I remind myself begins to break. And I no longer believe that I'm a mistake. I no longer believe that I'm an alcoholic, that I'm a sex addict, or whatever it is. I'm a gossip and all I am, all I can't do without it. You will still slip up, but I'm telling you, if you purpose in your heart to fall under his authority, you are not a loser anymore. You are not full of this. Listen, all of us have things that we would take back and there's consequences that we have to pay for our choices. But this is not your name ever, ever, ever again. We tear it up and we say no more. Why? This is why. Come on. This is why. I believe that my name, no matter what people think about my speaking no matter what people think about what kind of husband and father I am, no matter what people think about anything else, what they think is not what defines me. What the Lord Jesus calls me, that's what defines me. Because I'm a child of the one true king. I'm a child of the one true king. And so this is your chance to respond. For every person in the room that's a Christian, you're not... Your sin, your failures, or your past, please stop believing that, man. Please stop believing that, ma'am. You're who God says you are in Christ Jesus. 
can I have everybody look this way? I believe there's some people in this room that you are these things. I don't believe that you stink. I don't believe all these things, but I believe your identity is this until the Lord Jesus changes it. There's a verse in Revelation chapter 2, I think it's verse 17, that says that he writes a new name. A new name. My goodness. He writes a new name on your heart. That he writes my name. That for no reason, he wrote my name in his Lamb's book of life. That he took a man that did not deserve hope. wrote my name down. Do you know what it says, man? John 1.12 says to those who believe, who call in his name, he gives the right to be a son or daughter of the king. I think this is my favorite part. <clears throat> Guys, I could spend 30 minutes telling y'all all about me telling you all that I was but I'm defined by who he says I am and when Jesus looks at me he says son he says son and here's the deal you guys are one of two things you're either son or daughter of the king or you're all of these things that you were. So here's your opportunity today for everybody that's never trusted Jesus. 1 John 4.10 says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to pay the price for our sin. Salvation is as simple as this. I'm gonna take this helmet off of being the boss in my life and I'm gonna look to the one that is truly in charge and I'm gonna find him every single day and I'm gonna follow Jesus finding and following Jesus is all salvation is. And today, your opportunity, friend, that, do, that, that is hopeless and lost and you believe all these things about yourself is say, I'm tired of this, man. And I want to find and follow Jesus. Guys, I just believe that some of you in this room and I just want you to throw your hand up right now. If you're desperate, if you're desperate and you're tired of being who you are, I want you to do that right now. Will you pray with me? God, I believe that people are going to let you change their name right now. Guys, if that's you, I'm just going to give you a second. If that's you, I just want to give you a second. I want you to keep your heads bowed, if you will. Pastor Mark, man, that's me. Right now, I need my name to be changed. I want to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I believe in my heart that there's people in this room that more than anything else, you need that. I see your hand. Who else? Who else? If that's you, come on, man. I know that's you sitting in your seat. Or, ma'am, I know that's you. There's some more people. You say, I need my name to be written in his book. I'm tired of my name being defined by me. I want to be saved right here and right now. If that's you, will you throw your hand up as high as you can and let me see it? This is your last chance. This is your last chance today. That's me, Pastor Mark. That's me. I want my name to be son or daughter of the king. Last thing. Everybody look this way. Last thing. Last thing. When you walk out of here, this is what's going to happen. I'm either going to let the culture continue to change me, or we're going to put our flags in the ground and purpose in our heart not to take the food or drink from the king. 
we're going to say this is our land, not America, this world. God has put us here to colonize this entire place for his kingdom and his glory. And from this day forward, I will be his son and his daughter. And here's what I'm asking y'all to do with me. For the next 21 days, I'm asking y'all to fast something. On our website, we're going to have some information. And we're going to explain how. It does not have to be a food fast. We have people on our staff that are not doing food fasts. You don't have to do some crazy fast, but for some of you, you're on Facebook 24-7 and it consumes your life, what everybody else thinks about you. It would be a really good idea for you to fast that. For some of you, you watch TV and it's all you do and you can't wait till your show comes on. It would be a great idea for you to fast that. It takes 21 days to break a fast or break a habit. Let's start building some good habits. Let's every single day get in the Word. Let's every single day pray and ask God to change our name and, and let us believe that we're not who we believe we are, but we know that we are what He says that we are. And so I'm asking all of you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to sign on the dotted line. If 15 people do this, guys, we're going to see a shift in this community like we've never seen before. We'll put out information every single day. If y'all will look online, we'll put out information every single day. We'll put some blogs out. We'll put some stuff out. But I'm telling y'all, your battle is not against flesh and blood. The enemy is at war in, with your family. The enemy is at war in your home and at your workplace. And the one thing that he wants to do is not blow everything up because we fight back. He wants to change your name. And guys, I'm just saying right now, no more. Will y'all stand with me right now and declare that as for us in our houses, in our homes, in our lives, no more, we worship the one true King. God, we are declaring that we can't do this alone, but you are above us and you go before us and you are most high and lifted up. And God, it is because of your son, Jesus, and how much you first loved us that we declared these words. And in our lives for the next 21 days, we are setting ourselves apart putting a flag in the ground and saying, we are your children. We are sons and daughters of the King. No one can change my name because you named me son and crowned me in your glory and honor. Today, Lord Jesus, we, we call ourselves yours. You are worthy of all praise. Y'all sing this with us as loud as you can and declare that he and he alone is most high and lifted up. Come on, somebody, sing with us.